Welcome everyone to Plastic Arts Podcast. Today we have a super duper special episode. We have Victoria, aka Vix, or at OU Fox on Twitter. She's a games community manager, host of Wonderfully Done with Lauren, aka Lauren Clinn on Twitter. She's a shiny beacon of positivity and awesomeness. Victoria, <laughs> thank you for being here. I'm, I'm so excited. I've been doing push-ups in the corner trying to get on your level of intensity. Uh, glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. My very first uh, podcast hang with a podcast power. Well, what a time to be alive. <laughs> you know, that's one uh, uh, segue for a, a question I have for you as well. Like, uh, as far as what Wonderfully Done, that's a recent mm-hmm. podcast you started with your buddy Lauren. Yeah. Uh, what got you interested in get, getting into the whole realm? Well, we like around the beginning of, I guess, where we started going into isolation and all that kind of jazz. Um, we were just sort of having like a really random phone call talking about like, maybe we should try like doing some sex positivity TikToks or something like that. We both just got on TikTok and thought it was the bee's knees. And, you know, we're trying to figure out if we could do something with it. And the more we talked about it, uh, cause we're both extremely passionate, um, about sex, sex positivity, relationships, communicating, how people come together and that's sort of like the bulk of what we talk to each other about um and so it's like the more we kind of talked about what we'd like to talk about we're kind of like ah this isn't really gonna fit in like 10 second videos um so we're sort of like maybe something like a podcast would be the right kind of home for this kind of content um so we just decided to have uh, a go at it. Lauren had done uh, one other podcast before, which had done about five or six episodes um, and hadn't continued with it. So she knew a little bit and I came in pretty much with nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the of your guys' show and I think it's super important <sighs> to just branch out of your like normal, whatever you live in your normal day life, just kind of mm-hmm. get some more experiences, some more perspectives. Like I'm a super lame person. I've been married for uh, for a while now with the mm-hmm. with my wife now. It's like, we have a boring life. So it's cool to hear other people <laughs> out in the streets living their life to the fullest. And it's cool to just hear all those perspectives and, and the questions you guys answer is really dope too. You know what? I really miss being out on the streets and getting <laughs> like more um, recent material to work with <laughs> instead of digging deep into my prior life that's fine like we'll we'll be out there again one of these days (laughs) here's hoping yeah for sure hopefully soon Mm -hmm. um so as far as like going back to your your community management Mm -hmm. um world i guess before that because that's where you are now i want to talk about just you entering the games industry and where you started as a tiny little New Zealand uh, Kiwi, as you put it, playing (laughs) games for the first time. What are some of your most positive, you know, like your first gaming memories? Well, when I think about games, probably my first really stark memory was um, my mom used to work at a high school when I was a kid. And in the holidays, she would bring home uh, her computer from work for the two week holiday break. So it was wildly exciting, like mostly doing a lot of like playing like Minesweeper and Solitaire and um, Chips Challenge and all that, you know, sort of like early, early first games until, you know, we got our very first PC computer. Um, and then, you know, discovering, uh, we had some like boys come over who put Sonic on the computer, which was extremely exciting (laughs) and, you know, doing all the, um, the games on like the cartoon network website was really fucking popping. Like Mm, (laughs) at that time, those sweet, sweet flash games playing like, ah, I used to love the, um, it was like this series. I think, I think it was the summer resort series. Um, and it was like, 
all the different characters from the different cartoon network shows, but like all in one universe. And it's just like one of those simple games where it's like, you talk to one character and they need this, but you've got to do something for that character that needs that. And I don't know, but I was just really, really into it. Uh, so I guess definitely like hanging out on the PC because I don't think I got like my first console. Oh man, I must've been like, maybe like 11 or 12 or something by then because it was like a Nintendo 64 and we'd really wanted a PS1 so we were really pissed off like (laughs) (laughs) got this like box (laughs) and was just like what the fuck is this but you know (laughs) now I would like treasure my you know Super Smash Pokemon Stadium Pokemon Snap Mario Tennis like uh experiences Banjo-Kazooie obviously my favorite game of all time Yeah, it's very much like as having a 64 and then seeing the PlayStation 1 come out. It's yeah. that, that meme of like just looking over at the other girl. It's like, whoa, this is the future. There's 3D graphics. And yeah, I remember like experiencing that. And uh, one thing in the news recently was they remastered uh, like the, the big three Mario 3D games for the Switch. And yes. 64, Mario 64, I remember growing up just like blowing my fucking mind because I was used to the 2D <laughs> games. And yeah. then Mario 64 just like says, hey, we can, we nailed, you know, 3D movement and stuff. And Mario with his wacky sounds for the first time. And I just, I love that game. Uh, in, the, <laughs> in the States, we had uh, Walmart's big here. I'm not sure if it's, uh, I'm sure it's We it's don't Walmart, have right? Walmarts in Australia Whoa. or New Zealand. <laughs> Damn. I was so okay. excited to go to one. Actually, did I even get to go to one? It was like one of the things I wanted to do the only time I've been to America was like, I've got to go to a Walmart because people <laughs> talk about it all the time. And I didn't make it. It's just a tragedy. <laughs> I mean, you're not missing it out on anything. It's like, we all hate our lives when we're at Walmart. So it's like, it's funny that <laughs> your like tourist attraction is something we loathe going to but uh the only reason i bring it up is as a kid uh, mm-hmm. walmart had these and i feel like there's a class action lawsuit involved because they had these cam or these uh these tv screens where you could like yeah. play the 64 but you had to crank your neck to look up at it and it's like eight feet up and you're a tiny kid i feel like i have scoliosis <gasps> i'm sure from that but that was our first time like seeing and uh, mario 64 running and playing yeah. it and i would just i couldn't wait to go grocery shopping with my parents and go like play it there for you know an hour or whatever but yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's why I bring up. Wow. I haven't like thought about the neck cranking playing with consoles in stores. And like <laughs> we have one uh, place, I guess, kind of like a department store called Kmart. Um, so that mm. that was where I had those sort of like with, yeah, Nintendo and PS1. and. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the the people that ran that little like the electronic area were just super annoyed yeah. with this kid who never <laughs> buys anything, just comes in and is just like trying to wait in line to play this until 64. Trying to live his dream, you know? Just <laughs> let him be, <laughs> let him experience. For sure. That's where my first bug for like the gaming industry started because uh, at that time there was, there'd always be like a magazine section, which right mm-hmm. now do magazines even exist? What are they, where are they? But they uh, come there was always- back, I think. <laughs> okay. Okay, nice. Uh, that's good to hear because I would go there and go to the peruse the magazine section and w- read all the different like game informers and just gaming magazines. And that's where I first like would even like the gears would start in my brain like, oh, you can do this as a job. Like who writes this stuff? It's just it blew my mind. But that's where I just started kind of like wow. the nerd, the nerd process, you know, route took off from there. I just love that your brain at that time was able to figure out that this was a a potential job. Like, I feel like I didn't figure that out sort of like until into my early 20s that it was sort of a potentially viable thing to do. Well, I guess I say that I never thought that I could do it. I just knew that, okay, somebody's (laughs) doing this, but I thought I could never do it. Even listening to the podcast, like I've been doing it Mm -hmm. for 
I listening to like IGN's one of the first ones in like 2007 and just, just spending wow. hours and thousands of hours, like listening to, to really nerdy gaming podcasts and everything. Yeah. Oh, I could do that. But now with the, you know, technology and everything's so cheap, it's like, that's also the downside is every Joe Schmo and you know, their mom's basement has a <laughs> podcast, but that's also the awesomeness that you can find exactly what you want to listen to. <laughs> I feel like I was like a super late bloomer on podcasts. Like I feel like mm. I've genuinely only started listening to them maybe in like, the last year um so I'm like super fresh like really like really building from the ground up and um uh my knowledge like it's a it's an like a good creation platform and being that mainly what I'm good at in life is talking so <laughs> there you go. yeah <laughs> match made in heaven I guess <laughs> what are some of your go-to podcasts right now what are you kind of circling around Oh, I'm, uh, I feel like my number one is just always, um, Nicole Byers. Why won't you date me? Um, mm. I just really love her vibe. It's just, she's so funny. Just, she just cracks me up so much. Like, um, and she's just yeah, really kind Asks like hard questions, just some of the conversations that I've heard on there have just been so interesting and just really great guests and yeah I'm just like a super super big fan of hers <laughs> I would say that's probably the main one that I listen to regularly that reminds me of there's another uh, female comedian her name's Nikki Glacier and she's super funny yes. super dope <laughs> she has one I think it's called you up uh on on it's on like there's like a not an fx it's like a there's a satellite radio version there's a podcast mm -hmm. podcast version She's super funny, and that just like reminded me of that. I've listened to her; she's awesome. But yeah, there's that's the thing. There's so many, and not enough time. I guess we have more time on our hands now, but we kind of then we just stress out more because it's like, oh, I should be doing something with all this time on my hands, but I'm not. Ah, uh, it's so terrible, isn't it? It's kind of like you know, just getting through the you know giant shared trauma that we're all living through. It's like I'm just like to people like that's enough. If you just do that, like you have succeeded the year with flying colors and you should be really fucking proud of yourself. Like it's so yeah. interesting to have the productivity value mind mixed with <clears throat> like the more restricted lifestyle that we have now. Uh yeah, I I I feel like that's one of the only things I've learned in ISO. I mean, maybe in round one, less so in round two, but how to um, just exist and relax and have that be enough. Yeah, to actually feel fine in your, in your, yeah. in your mind about just like, okay, I'm actually going to take a break and it's cool. I don't have to worry about all these things that I've told myself I have to do. And I think that's, if there's any silver linings to this whole thing, it's, yeah, it's like understanding that personal time, but also mm -hmm. um, really respecting or like savoring those moments that we did have when we got to go out. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I'm a huge concert goer. I go to a bunch of comedy shows and the fact that that's been stripped away just makes me really um, just love the fact that I got to do those things. And when they, when they actually kick up again, I can't yeah. wait to go to a concert again and just, you know, rub with another sweaty person when I used to hate that. But now it's mm -hmm. like, just bring as many sweaty people as you can when it's okay to do so, it's like, I can't wait for that. <laughs> oh my God. I cannot wait to be in areas with lots of sweaty strangers. Uh, <laughs> it's not something I thought that I'd be like hanging out for desperately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're behind an alley somewhere. It's like, does anybody want anybody sweaty? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> oh my God. It changes you, man. It's yeah. We're locked up and it's just, that's how important like human interaction is. And we've realize that it's like we gotta even though i i think over, uh, across the board hate people it's like i still <laughs> need them around i need to be in environments with them it's like i just i i need them and i've realized that uh wholeheartedly with this whole you know uh quarantine thing 
Wow. So really? So you identify <laughs> as a people hater? <laughs> I guess it's like I'm just a grumpy old man trapped in my old <laughs> body as well. Like uh, I just get, you know, like frustrated with, okay, are people in the right line? And mm -hmm. did anybody cut like those little like just dumb analysis of everything that's happening? I, it's hard for me to like take a break and chill. But that's just something I'm trying to get over. Like, uh, yeah, at a comedy show, at a concert, it's like, mm -hmm. hey, take away your phone or put your phone away, like experience the thing. I'm always that guy in the back of my mind. It's just a struggle to kind of just enjoy what's happening in front of me. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're just so perpetually distracted by 10,000 things. And I think I think that's one of my favorite things to ask people at the moment is like, what have you learned about yourself during isolation? Like, have you, because I, th I think it's just like really, at least for me, it's like reprioritized, I think both how I treat myself, how I think about how I spend my time, the kind of people that I want to have in my life and just clarifying like who I really want to invest more time in and spend more of my life with. Um, and just, I guess, trying to get really comfortable with the fact that this is what life is. Like you never know what's going to happen when and how do you better start to really go with the flow and make the best of the reality of the situation and be at peace with that. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, uh, mindset on it because it's it's really just the the tools at hand that we need to have are how mm -hmm. adaptable are we to to change? And we got to be, you know, able to change at a moment's notice. This whole thing happened basically at a moment's notice. We have to be able to, yeah. have to, be able to just be able to handle our, our minds and our bodies to, you know, the inevitable change. It's like, that's always a deal. Something crazy is always around the corner, but how do we handle that, you know, mentally, physically? Yeah, that's been a huge lesson for, I wish I could say I, I've wrapped my brain around it. I'm sure I'll just get mm -hmm. used to whatever the, you know, thing is in the future, but yeah, it's a, it's a struggle. And yeah, I, I'm also, I'm just constantly trying to, you know, that's one of the things on my list too. I haven't tackled any of my corn, uh, quarantine, like bullet point mental list mm -hmm. things, but that's just one to add that I need to, need to work you on. You know what? It's, it's one of those things, right? Like you can't really deal with the full extent of a trauma until you're out of the survival patch and we're all still in the thick of survival. So like, that's such a huge ask <laughs> of right. oneself to to grow and process when it, th that's the thing of like the the continuation of the use of energy that we're having to commit to like our stores are probably like the most desperately low a lot of us have ever experienced but I guess it's that challenge of the whole like life just goes on you know so it's <laughs> the mix of like I feel like it's like some days it, I, this week I've definitely been feeling like I'm fucking sick of like ISO now. Like it's, um, I live in Victoria and Melbourne and we have a pretty hard lockdown at the moment. I think, yeah, like the, the hardest that's active right now, I think. Um, but it's sort of like, we're not allowed our, we have a curfew between 9 PM and 5 AM in the morning. Um, you're only allowed outside for, it used to be one hour a couple of weeks ago, and now it's two hours a day for like a walk. You can have a walk with one person that doesn't live in your house. And now you can actually sit outside with people. So like, that's very exciting. Oh, <laughs> and by people, I mean, you're that one person with your mask on, right. um, it's just really bizarro. Just really, my, my world is just so small. Just, I watch Star Trek, I go to work and I make the podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. Which Star Trek are you watching? 
Oh my God. I never thought that I would become a Star Trek fan. And I'm so <laughs> like, I love sci-fi. Like my mum, it's like sci-fi books were the only thing she read my entire childhood and just like a continuous shoving of like all kinds of sci-fi movies. So like conceptually adore. And uh, we're watching Next Generation. Um, and I just have fallen in love with it. Just, I cry through so many episodes. I, I'm just so surprised at the different kinds of topics that they cover and how respectfully they, they've covered so many topics. I love how cheesy and ridiculous it is. I love how like, I, I didn't know how I'd feel about Captain Picard, but now I see why everybody loves him. He's just such a, like, he's such a, like a fucking classy gentleman. Like he's so cool. Anyway. Ah, oh, it's, I'm just having the best time. <laughs> or like in have, season five. <laughs> yeah. I have the same exact thoughts that you do. I, I love, yeah? I haven't really poked into much of the other ones, but for mm-hmm. some reason, next generation always click with me. And I just love it. You're right where, the topics they handle are just, I don't know if they get enough. I think they do get enough credits. Like people really mm-hmm. love Next Generation, but the way they, I love the um, hollow room and how they tackle yeah. a bunch of stuff there. There's one guy who kind of gets addicted to it and they have to deal with that. And they kind yes, of end the episode I've not even. One. <laughs> yeah. And they almost in the, in the episode on like an ambiguous way where it's like, is is this like the reality or are we still like trapped in his, his uh, projection or his like hologram thing? I love that. I love Data wrestling with, you know, his like almost becoming human or, or he is sentient, like just dealing with that whole thing. There's so yeah. many different awesome episodes there. Oh my God. And he so experiences love. I just like enjoy so much how it's just like, I have no feelings. I do not understand this, but it's just like the way in which he he does connect with people like is love and I think it's just kind of like that interesting thing of like what people think love is and what it should be what it has to be and how it has to be expressed and felt but there are so many different ways you can love people and I'm very fond of uh, Data especially because my flatmates that's like her ultimate favorite character so like coming in (laughs) I'm like okay I'm probably gonna like have to develop some feelings about this character and it was just very easy. Um, what a, what a sweet little Ben. Oh my God. And like Beverly, I'm like to my flatmate, I'm like, is there ever going to be a time where Beverly has a romance? That's not fucking terrible. Like, when's that going to happen? <laughs> like, Oh, ah, I could go on go on about it, but, um, it's, uh, probably one of the highlights of my isolation year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the next generation is, is easily one of the greatest shows. I know they brought back Picard and a lot of the original characters mm-hmm. in like a newer show. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm what? super interested in seeing what they've. Yeah, is that any good? Should I be? I watching don't know. I I, okay. I have. I feel like I'm like very behind with the news about things. Right. I've been doing mm. it very like my flatmate has been DJing my Star Trek experience, so it's kind of like she'll nice. skip episodes she thinks are boring or bad, um, which is good because you know I'm I like. I, I need a lot of stimulation. So it's kind of like you just see my face go into my phone and she's just like, maybe we should like, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> yeah. no, you need that, especially with the show. Like there are some, you know, some lulls in that show and really every mm-hmm. show. It's like you need someone. That's a great uh, way to, to kind of be introduced to it. Having someone kind yeah. of tailor making the right episodes because yeah, you're not wasting time. You're getting into it. Yeah. You can come around <laughs> to those episodes after those characters are established or after you love them. It's like, that's the way to oh, go. It's that's true. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's certain episodes where like we had a stream the other night of, of three terrible ones in a row. And I was just sort of like, <laughs> wow, like if, if you hadn't have taken such a firm hand and pulling me in with a few episodes you really liked and then us beginning, like I probably would have dropped off. Like, 
Yeah, I highly recommend to anybody out there, if there's a show that you want to try and you have a friend that really, really loves it, like let them DJ it for you and also have that really beautiful, um, because I I love consuming media that, or, you know, reading books, podcasts, music, anything that my friends love, because then, yeah, not only do you get to enjoy something that has already been sort of like, um, there's already a seal on it that it's probably good. Um, and then you get to fucking talk to them about it and like share their joy. And yeah, it's just been just seeing her face and feelings and overhearing her telling her like friends, uh, work friends on Zoom sort of uh, about, you know, how she's feeling about us sharing it together and and how into it I'm getting it and seeing her smile when I'm really enjoying it. Like it's just been really charming and delightful. <laughs> You know what? That uh, makes me think I would love to hear a podcast with you, like breaking down every episode after you watch them, just a kind of like retrospective on the entire Next Generation series. That'd be uh, pretty fucking awesome. Oh, man, I would actually genuinely really, really enjoy that because I feel like we have a very robust conversation after most episodes. Like uh, very recently, we watched... um, we watched the one with the the uh, non-binary society, um, oh, and that. that was a real fucking trip, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow! Or oh god, we saw um, the one where Jordi LaForge was just like a misogynistic dick bag. I don't. Oh. Sorry, I didn't ask if I was allowed to swear. I, I know that. Oh that's yeah, you can. Go l- for it. Less of a thing, but I'm very swearing. <laughs> Uh, no anyway, problem. he was so awful and mean and got this lady and did her in the hollow deck and that had a smooch with her. And then she's like, oh, you know, whenever you touch the computer, you're touching me. And then <laughs> the real lady comes and he's like trying to project his feelings on her and knows all the shit about her from talking to her in the hollow deck because it accesses oh. all of her files and then gets really angry at her when it turns out that she's married and turns it back on her when she's really upset that he's she's he's essentially kind of like violated her by you know um having her image be in this right. area Oh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> like, it was very upsetting. I was like angry for like two hours. After <laughs> <laughs> no, that's crazy. That's one. I, I don't know if I've seen it or seen parts of that, but man. I'm find a name for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely check that episode out just to, I mean, not to get bummed out, but like just to experience that. That's one glory. I mean, we could keep talking about Next Generation, but like all the different topics they hit on is so insane. <laughs> but uh, I just listened to this. Uh, I was listening to another random podcast. Where we are talking yeah. about how, a lot of sci-fi tends to uh, hover around like dystopian stuff and really mm-hmm. just like gloomy projections of the future. But with Next yeah. Generation, they they had this their own path where it's like they have kind of everything else taken care of as far as like in human society, which lets mm-hmm. them go expand to the stars. Like they've gotten over their dumb human things that we have now. It's like so they can just uh, focus all their energy on going to the stars and experiencing that. And I keep thinking, like, why can't we get our shit together so we can go to the... <laughs> to the fucking stars and, you know, experience universes and non-binary people and the Borg. And like, I want to see all those things. <laughs> oh, bless. Don't, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely feel like they, they still experience some very, some very human problems, but um, I do, I just love the, you know, the self-contained, everything is always sorted out within the episode and people right. end up communicating and fix things. That's what I think is different that they fix things 
much quicker than we do in everyday society because you got to communicate quickly so that everything can be nice and tidy for the next yes. episode. So like, <laughs> I feel like it's more like doing everything at warp speed, <laughs> like <laughs> human interaction, same problems, but done, done and sorted out really, really fast. Like, yeah, you got 22 yeah. minutes to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I mean, I could keep talking about next year. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> back, back to business. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, yeah, we've run the gamut talking about different stuff. As mm -hmm. far as the, the gaming side of it goes, uh -huh. um, I guess one of my last questions in that area was, what are you playing now? Are you relying on games in quarantine? Are you doing other things? Is there anything mm -hmm. that's, that you, that you keep going to as far as a video game goes? Well, that's the thing about me. I'm one of those strange people who work in video games where my entire life isn't about video games, which mm. I know people find a little bit jarring. <laughs> um, if, as far as games go, I recently have been playing Spiritfarer, which I've been really enjoying. It's just so gentle and calming. And it's just really strange to like have this game legitimately make me feel really calm and gorgeous. Mm. Um, so that's been really nice. And I guess the one before that, that actually I need to pick back up is uh, just playing Mario's Odyssey on my Switch. I like finally bought one at the beginning of quarantine. Um, I would say, and obviously oh, I love Mario's Odyssey. It's a fucking platforming, happy la la dreamland, you know, and it's just instantly transported back to being a babin. And yeah, it, <laughs> Ah, uh, just when you're just sitting there and just smiles just creeping all over your face like totally delightful um I did I thought I would play more games over quarantine um but I, I went through this big phase where I couldn't even watch tv and it was really bizarre uh and all I really did was uh at that time was like read books and and, and go to work and there and I, I think that was when we were a little bit more like active and maintaining a social life at home and um, all that sort of jazz. But um, I just kind of like dropped off like completely. Um, I actually need to pick Spirit Farah back up this weekend because we're going to talk about it at work next week. Nice. <laughs> um, now, you mentioned, uh, yeah, like being in the games community and not playing a mm -hmm. ton at the moment. But I think that's a great way to like pull yourself out of the... There's a lot of like, um, whether it's negativity or just kind of mm -hmm. getting bogged down with all the stress of who did what and what game came out and what controversy. It's like, it's best to yeah. not be just so plugged in because uh, it, there's a lot of just uh, needless stress involved with, you know, just keeping up with uh, the random drama. But yeah, I think that's a healthy thing. It's like, that's the thing about, I mean, how websites like Twitter and Facebook and that sort of jazz, how they function is they're not really created for like forum style conversation. Like it's more kind of like everybody kind of like shouting what they think about things. Um, and it's a tricky one, right? Because I mean like communication 101 in general is it's kind of like, what is the purpose of me doing this communication? Like, what do I want to get out of it? Because that's generally, you know, why we do anything, right? You know, you do an action and there's a reaction of some kind. And um, I mean, I, I'd say I'm definitely, uh, you know, being a social media manager, I'm like addicted to social media. <laughs> it's definitely a problem. So, you know, my personal life is I use Twitter quite a lot and most of my Twitter sort of um, regular sphere, sphere that I keep up with is uh, other people that work in video games. So, yeah, I guess sometimes I don't see as much of the other drama unless 
people working in games start talking about it or, you know, it'll usually, because I guess I'm on, you know, the other side of, um, you know, gamer and game maker. Um, so sometimes the like, I guess the lean of what the conversation is will be different. It'll more so be like, uh, you know, really thinking of the community managers for X, Y, or Z game today because, it, you know, it's really scary and awful. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's really horrible that they're having to deal with how people are behaving today. Right. I imagine you're, you're taking a lot of that, the brunt of that force possibly by dealing directly with, now are you dealing with like more of the community management with, I guess, you know, the community of players or also behind yeah. the scenes with the community of the devs too? I, I, I do a little bit of both. Um, in my current role uh, at uh, League of Geeks, uh, I do the studio comms and then I also look after their game Armello. Um, and Armello has one of the most beautiful communities ever. Like they did a really, really great job. The people who love and play this game are fucking awesome. Uh, I genuinely thrive deeply off, off uh, getting to play with that community. It's um, That game's been out for about five years now. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a longer standing kind of niche community and mostly made up of furries and it's just dope. Like <laughs> I actually, I like cry all the time when people are very cute. Like I'm very like emotional lady. Like I'm, I'm really lucky. Like it's, it's, it's a beautiful community to work with. I, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that reminds me of one. Uh, it's a broader question, but mm -hmm. that was a, uh, the Genesis originally for interviewing game devs was or like yeah. any game devs was there's a lot behind the scenes uh, that gamers don't get to see or hear about as far as like just mm -hmm. the, the struggle, the sacrifice you have to go through. And I feel like that would help benefit uh, gamers from before they shoot off their hot tweet online, not knowing anything mm -hmm. you know, about what's going on. And then also to help other indie devs who are experiencing, experiencing the same thing, you know, what they mm -hmm. can uh, glean some advice from it. But yeah. what kind of stuff do you see your team go through where it's just like no one else gets to see the kind of struggle that you see them, the kind of, you know, uh, mud that they have to trek through just with the sacrifices they do time-wise, you know, energy-wise? Yeah, I think, gosh, I, I mean, like I, <laughs> I have a lot to say on this topic. I think that's one of the biggest problems at the moment is that the the divide of knowledge between people who regularly consume games and the people who make them. Like, I don't know if people know this, but games are really fucking hard to make. Uh, <laughs> and they take a lot of time and a lot of resources. <laughs> and especially, you know, the, the model of game making has changed dramatically over, you know, the passing years. It used to be, of course, you buy a game and that's all there is, you know, how, whatever shape it, whatever shape it's in, whatever bugs are in it. Like, that's just what it is. You've, you've paid your money and like, that's the end of the service. Um, but, you know, as that changes, of course, you know, uh, a lot in mobile, you, uh, like that's how the content run goes. You know, you have uh, the base product and then regular updating is like the normal expected cadence. And of course, now that's moved to, um, uh, I guess, more console, PC gaming, etc. Like the expectation is you, you will continue working on this forever. Um, I think like a strong one would be, how hard it is to actually fix certain kinds of bugs. Like there'll, there'll be certain things where it's kind of like, you know, me as a community manager, I've only seen like two or three comments about a very, very specific bug, but we can't actually fix that 
unless we have you know more information like actual game logs and once we have that then it's actually being able to reproduce that very specific instance on that specific piece of hardware and unless we can do that like how are we supposed to be able to fix that issue you know of course there's all different kinds of issues you know sometimes they're like game breakers which of course is like the absolute worst thing that could happen is like that somebody cannot play the game anymore um which of course yeah that I think it's it's just tricky right um because of course I'd love to just be like yeah it can just be fixed immediately I think some of like the expectations of how long things take I think I find quite challenging um it's these things definitely aren't instantaneous you know it's figuring out what the problem is figuring out how to fix it doing the work to actually fix it figuring out whether you can implement that or not and then getting it out there and seeing how it goes and then of course testing that before you know it's the rigmarole is tricky and everybody's working with very very differently sized teams and yeah (laughs) I, I guess like I, I I sometimes wish that people um, would be a little bit more understanding that these products that they love are made by human beings uh, who spend you know their their life doing that. Um, but also it's a portion of their life. They are still people who need to have breaks and have weekends and yeah I think the, the the gap in that area of um of the expectation I think is really challenging like just in the the general sense of a lack of empathy uh for the way that people speak to each other online and the sort of like demanding nature that can exist sometimes yeah it's a it's a whole bag of worms but uh, right but like it's it's uh, both a, a double-sided sword where mm-hmm. because of the internet, you have a direct way to talk to community, but yeah. just because of the product of what the internet is, it, it can be where people just don't, they kind of don't realize or don't see the humanity involved. They just kind of mm-hmm. want X, Y, and Z uh, done immediately, but there's just so much going on. How do you think we can bridge the gap going forward with like gamers and devs to just kind of bridge the gap of knowledge because a lot of games aren't going to dip into, you know, Unity and UE4. Like they're not going to mm-hmm. try these different programs, but how would we go forward? Like, you know, just educating people. I mean, that that's a whole other thing, but like, what's a way to kind of bridge that gap? I'm not sure this answers your question, but I I've thought, uh, thought about it in, in that time. I think it's like, if you're experienced, like specifically about bugs or issues or, or something that's upset you and that sort of thing, like, try and write comments that are helpful. Explain what's happened. Tell us what device you're playing on. Uh, Send us that information, uh, ideally to uh, either like a customer support or QA, depending on the sort of company that you're dealing with. Like the more information that you can give us is great. Like it's actually not very helpful to be like, fuck you, this doesn't work because we can't actually do anything with that because there's no information. I understand that, you know, you've got to express your feelings. Like that's really all that can be ascertained from a comment like that. Um, And it's also just that kind of thing. Like you're asking somebody to do something right, right now. And it's kind of the, 
like be kind and share the information that you have. And if you don't know how to get that information, ask us and and, and we will help you. Um, I Because, I mean, like it is great. Like I feel like like as a community manager, it is, it's really neat for like if an update goes out, you know, if I get five comments within the first, you know, hour or something about the same thing, I'm like, oh, that, like this is a problem that lots of people are experiencing and we've got to do something about that now. Like also I think just remembering that like the often the person who is like reading your messages uh, on social media and stuff like that, that that person's on your team, you know, like I as a community, I can't speak for every community manager, but I as a community manager, like I care heaps about the team that I work with and I care heaps about the players. And it's been a huge part of my role in video games to always be working towards trying to bridge the gap of understanding with the teams that I work with to always remember like we are making products for people and how are they going to feel using those products? How might these changes make them feel? How will that alter their experience? Like when you take a shit on community managers, like you're literally like spitting on the people who have the best chance of being able to help you. um so like I think like being kind more would be like like not number one um I think it it is tricky sometimes with the mystique of of game making and I think there definitely is more people sharing more about I guess what the process actually looks like I think it's like things too like video like making video games is cool and great but like at the end of the day like it's still an office job you know like it's still just people going to work and and doing a job um I feel like that's the thing right before even bridging the gap of understanding I think it's it's like making room to listen and I think that starts uh, by being kinder. Right. No, a hundred percent. I mean, we don't get anywhere if people aren't just, you know, being trolls online yeah. and not being helpful with whatever their issue is. I mean, mm-hmm. all game devs want to fix whatever the problem is. Like they want their game to be fun, to be playable. Yeah. To if we're experience. able, like we want to right. do it. Like there's lots of things that people suggest and it's like either like, of course, like we've, we've had the idea. It's something that people on the team would love, but for X, Y, or Z reason, we just can't do that right now. Like I love when people are like, I'll give you my money right now if you do this thing. And it's like, we can't really stake a tens of thousands of dollar update on <laughs> like a couple of comments that are like, I would buy this. Like that's not like a sustainable business model. And I think that's the thing, right? Is like, like, like video games is a business. It, the things co- like take time to make. People are paid to do that work. Like, and when you're doing video games, great. Like, hopefully it should be, you know, sustainable and that you can pay all the people that work for you, like a great livable wage um, and, and be looked after. Um and of course, there's like so many things that, that we would love to do or make or decisions that we'd love to have. Or sometimes, you know, when, when a game is launched and it, it looks certain certain ways or there's certain features that like uh, weren't quite right or could have been different or why didn't you do it like this? Like there may have been a section of the team like fighting for that other direction, but for one reason or the, or the other, depending on, you know, that's the thing, right? There's still like people who make the final, final calls, like in, in teams of people working together. 
Um, so like, I just feel like it's like trusting like they, that there are, there every, like, I feel like game makers, they're trying to make things people will enjoy, you know? And sometimes it's really hard. It's hard to know what will hit something that you thought felt good. And then people just don't like it. Um, it's like making games is really hard. And the, the people that I know that work in games work really, really, really hard and really, really care a lot, you know, like they really do. Um, and Oh yeah. I, yeah. I just wish it didn't, wasn't the way that it is sometimes. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Like any game dev uh, we've got to talk to mm -hmm. that uh, we've been lucky, you know, to talk with them. It's a lot of, you feel that love that they have for the passion for what mm -hmm. they do. And it's just, there's so much more going on with whether it's financial stuff or mm -hmm. just time constraints, you know, like there's so much work involved and I wish there was more praise for these are humans that want to give you a fun thing to do. Mm -hmm. And they're using, they're sometimes sacrificing their, their time, their money, their mental health just yeah. to give you the thing that, you know, brings you joy or you instantly crap on because you're not, you know, thinking ahead. But it's just yeah. this frustration that I have as a as a gamer, as a fan, but seeing like the larger community, and maybe they're on the same realm, but like just seeing a lot of just negativity, I wish we could just turn that around. But that does take time and you're right where it's a matter yeah. of compassion and just understanding, yeah, these are people that are working on this thing. That's what I do love when the community or sorry, the uh, game dev team mm -hmm. is highlighted in any kind of promotion of a game, whether it's like uh, a huge um, um, AAA game or it's down to indie game devs. I love seeing them being in interviews and talking about stuff because I want to see them, you know, and what they went through and, and actually conversate, yeah. you know. Well, that's what the tricky thing is, stories. right? Like I'm very, um, I'm very passionate about that um, from a, a sharing uh, angle of, um, you know, the sort of companies that, that I've worked for. I, I want to like, like put our people out there and like, I feel like a big part of being a community manager is like, I'm a big fucking cheerleader. I'm cheerleading the shit out of the people I work with. I'm cheerleading our fucking awesome players. Like, very passionate about that but the tricky thing is like sometimes it can be a really scary decision to put yourself out in front of a game and and put your your name and your person against that because sometimes people revolt and then you're getting death threats to people's personal accounts and stuff like that like and and it, I, I I I feel like s stuff like that sometimes is maybe like why not everybody wants to share or wants their, you know, sometimes their name specifically attached or being in front of a camera in any kind of way is because you just don't know what's going to happen sometimes. <laughs> like what if everybody starts fucking hating that a year later or somebody makes a mistake one month later and you are now one of the faces of the products. So you will be flamed and destroyed and punished as is seen fit by this group of people. And that, yeah, not everybody wants that. Like sometimes it's, it's, it's really hard. Um, it's why, uh, I'm doing, you know, some, uh, some work at the studio that I work at at the moment. And a thing that we do is, um, every couple of weeks we are like interviewing, uh, one of the people on the team and talking about, uh, what their about their career trajectory and, uh, about their specific areas of passion and what they love about games. Um, so like that's, you know, and it's really fun and it's, it's a very like super like opt in, like if, like if you were comfortable and not, you know, cause not everybody wants to sort of like perform like on Twitch or anything like that. So 
yes um i i think i feel like there is desire to do more of that stuff um but it's it's like anything right like weighing up the risks now that reminds me of just your role in community management when you initially started in that path Mm-hmm. And you get signed, you get hired, that they go, yeah, we told you it's this, but it's actually all this stuff over here on top of that. Like, was <laughs> community management exactly what you expected it to be? Did it turn into more stuff? That's the funny thing about about being a community manager. Like, I definitely, I would say that, like, I fell into this area, like, um, when I was still in university, you know, I was working for different tech startups and... <laughs> they knew that I use social media a lot. So they're like, Oh, you can just do our social media. Um, I was studying like design and advertising at the time. And so like I had to go, I'd been like obsessed with the internet for, you know, my entire life, like from Neopets forums to doing DeviantArt for many, many years and Gaia yeah. online and RuneScape. And I did second life for a little while. Like, you know, I just like <laughs> all, all these like giant, like chat areas with people. Like I spent a huge, you know, portion of my life like being I guess within communities or trying to find community um so I think I kind of went in a little bit like I guess more in the like I'm gonna do social media posts essentially perhaps you know maybe that's what that will look like um I think like and it's continued evolving right because like there I I feel like you are expected to be so many things it's like uh you've got to be you've got to be an organizer and a planner you've got to be uh, a great copywriter you've got to be a graphic designer you've got to be a photographer um, something I'm always personally very interested in is internal community so how can I activate the people that I work with to to be able to better showcase you know the company that we're at and have people feeling great and have the culture being lovely um you have to be able to write blogs you've got to like be able to do the back end of like different kinds of like tools and programs you've got to (laughs) uh got to be a great picture think a big picture thinker um as well as like being sometimes customer support and um being playful and and celebrating people while trying to innovate and do things differently and think of new ideas and reporting on what you're doing and having relationships uh you know in some of the other companies I've worked at you know there's been multiple games like you know my first I had maybe like eight or ten or something like that and um the the second I had uh three but three very big titles um I was at EA for a couple of years and um yeah, I think I think it's really hard too because I, I've been doing community management for about five years now, um, which makes me, you know, probably you like it's a young it's a young career path I think, and I don't really think people knew what it was at that time. So I was trying to figure out what it was and what I wanted to be and how, what I could build it into, but didn't really have I guess like mentors. Um, who were experienced to learn from. So a lot of my career has been, yeah, kind of figuring out what I would think is best. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> cause like now, you know, in my current role as well, now it's like ad streamer as well. And yeah. And so I, I do like graphic design stuff and marketing and yeah, it's, um, it's so many jobs. And I think the really common thing you'll see for community management is you'll see like a bad wage for one job, but they want you to do five. <laughs> right. 
but it's because it's devalued. And I also think because it's a pink collar job, you know, it's predominantly women doing it. And a lot of it is soft skills, um, Mm. which are less valued. um, And it's not traditionally been a very valued uh, position in game development. I, you know, I definitely believe that's changed a lot during the time that I've worked in game dev, but um, you know, there's still a lot of room to grow, I think. So sometimes I can understand why people don't know what community management is um, because uh, yeah, there's so many, so many differing opinions and each role looks quite different. <laughs> and some of them are, yeah, quite, <laughs> quite un- unreasonably overladen with a uh, task that really should be in like, uh, marketing customer support um, a, a, as well as working together with your social media community manager. No, I think that answered your question. I think I, I waffled. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, hundred percent. You did. Um, that reminds me or that uh, you brought up a good point where it's like a lot of people don't at face value realize what community mm-hmm. management is. I think they don't when it's uh, when it's working and when it doesn't, they realize that it's not there. <laughs> and there's such yeah. a huge like those games that stick around, those communities that thrive are cultivated and built by people. And I think mm-hmm. those are the ones that that just they 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 have the testing um, time part of it where it's like they they are they're 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 cultivated there. People are yeah. behind the scenes actually growing that and working on that. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge, huge deal. And I think uh, industry, the industry at large is understanding that's a huge part of getting your game out there and making sure that yeah. does the community feel like they're they're valued? Is there mm-hmm. interaction? That's what I love about, it's sort of the same thing, but with that game, it's it's been blowing up lately. It's called Fall Guys. Uh, their, <laughs> yes. their Twitter presence is just nailing it every time and the way they mm-hmm. integrate other other corporations and they're just always posting and integrating with and building community that way. It's just they're, they're, they're nailing it with how they handle that. But that's a huge driving force with getting a game out and just the advertising portion of it and building the, or getting the attention of fans in the first place saying, Hey, you want to play this and you have this community of Mm -hmm. people that also will share, you know, memes and ideas and just kind of grow together. It's, it's a huge deal. So I think, yeah, people don't notice it until it's, it's not there really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I think, I, I think it's, it's an important position to have and the considerations that that person brings to the table. Right. Cause like another thing is like crisis management. What are all of the possible things that could go wrong with the decisions that you're choosing to make about the way that we're going with this game? Like, so you're kind of like uh-huh. the canary in the mind sometimes of like, uh, here's just like a flash forward. And it, it, cause that's the thing, right? Every decision that you make, whether you like it or not says something, about you and what you're making. Um, so, you know, you need to make decisions carefully and it's, it's, it's scary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's what I think is neat about community and, and social media in general is it's, um, it's like the extension of the experience, right? Like, and I think it's really beautiful and special when like people love the thing that you've made so much that not only do they want to spend time there, playing the game but they want to invite you into their personal pleasure spaces that they use in their everyday life so you know something I always think about is I'm like what value am I adding to their lives through this space that they have allowed me to be in you know um yeah you mentioned some of your uh, your many duties that you have behind the scenes uh <laughs> 
did that does that kind of uh workflow does that whole environment did that call out to you the fact that you're there's always going to be something going on did you value that as someone just looking for uh, an actual uh, level of employment do you do you kind of thrive in having all these different directions are being pulled out at once i i think this is good for my kind of personality type like I do, you know, it, like you follow my Twitter, like I'm like a pretty, I'm a pretty peppy, joyful person. I love celebration. I love connecting people. I love solving problems. Um, I love, uh, I love making beautiful things. I love consuming beautiful things. Um, I love making people feel good. Uh I feel like it encompasses so many things that I enjoy, like being part of video game teams is so exciting just because it's, it's a meeting of so many really interesting different kinds of professionals making this one thing together, like beautiful animators and illustrators and smart business people, finance people, um, QA problem solvers, producers, like it's I just, like, the friends that I've made through working in video games has just been like fucking magical. Like truly some of the most exciting, sweet nerds like ever. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think that that was a, a major segue. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like it suits me really well. Cause like we're making art, but it's more than art. It's, um, it's an experience. And I think experience design is something that I find very, very interesting. And of course it's got that, it's got the, the link into being technology based, which I also think is a very interesting kind of problem solving. So I feel like it satiates a lot of, uh, my desires of what I find really interesting. Nice. So you touch on something where I feel like that's the key to mm -hmm. bridging that gap with the negativity in the community at large. It's just like uh, just kidnapping these trolls online. They show up at an actual <laughs> studio and say, here, meet some of the people working on this game. This guy, you know, his he just uh, had a daughter and they the team made him a cake and you just crapped on this thing that he worked on. So like just meet the team and experience like the humanity behind it. If we can just kidnap these uh, just people that are, you know, dwelling in, in basements everywhere and just actually get them face to face with someone who's working. on, I feel like that could be the way to, you know, see the glory behind it because you get to you're in the trenches with the team and you see that beauty. But a lot of people don't. I wonder if that's the gap. Definitely. I think there's definitely a gap there. I think it's always an interesting thing too, right? How I, I find it really interesting how, how, how that description of, of like who trolls are persists, right? Sort of like the basement dweller. I think the scariest thing about trolls and people who lack empathy and behave unkindly online is they're people we, we know. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and that's the scarier part. I think sometimes it's really easy to like other that kind of behavior um, into being these kind of like faceless entities. But like there are a lot of them, I think are like everyday people, um, you know, cause when you kind of like mix entitlement into their um, yeah, a lack of empathy and kindness. Uh, I, I was reading an article this week and it was talking about how a study had been done about trolls and, and it was saying that the the early evidence in it was that trolls actually weren't um people with low self-esteem they're often people with very high self-esteem that felt great about themselves and felt great sure. about being awful you know <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think sometimes it's like, uh, like big changes, I think are in how we communicate with the people in our everyday lives and sort of calling out behavior more that that isn't really acceptable and there isn't room for anymore. Cause sometimes I find it very interesting. You'll always get the people who will behave very, very badly um, under, you know, anime pictures or um, no picture at all. But you also get a lot of people who are very proud and happy to do so with a picture of their face and, or, or do it on, uh, you know, attached to their Facebook with, with all of their family stuff there. And I think that's, what's kind of scary is how badly people feel like they are entitled to behave and that's okay. And sometimes I guess I find it surprising unless their lives are only filled with people who are like them, but it's, it's not always the extremes, right? It's the, it, the subtleties and you know I'd be lying if I said you know a lot of this stuff that happens you know related to the patriarchy and sexism and misogyny like um and that's the thing it's not always the extreme version it's the it's the micro actions of um of how people choose to behave like that's the thing about the internet sometimes I feel like people still treat it like it's separate from real life, but it's not like the amount of time that people spend plugged in and how they uh, keep a lot of their relationships going, especially shown by a time like 2020, where so much of our relationships are engaged with online. And does that make any of those relationships not real anymore? Like this is real life and I feel like it just really highlights <laughs> some like less pleasant things and I think some of it's about being being braver to in your friend groups and the people that are in your life and sort of saying like that's not very nice because that's the thing about you know trolling comments and stuff like that that's only that's only one facet of how somebody behaves in one area and what does that tell you about how they may behave in other areas of their life and and how they treat people. Yeah, no, I mean you touched on great points and and it's uh it's a whole amazing conversation on its own just like the m- mentality, the mindset behind mm-hmm. it and what drives people to create these negative comments and and some people thrive in it and it's it's this whole interesting aspect of it. You mentioned empathy mm-hmm. and it's almost this two-way street where you have these people that, I mean, they could arguably, they've experienced some kind of trauma that forces them into this mental lane where they just kind of shit on everything. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like shaking them out of it or understanding, not shaking them, but going, okay, I know you experienced this thing. Let's kind of, let's, let's, let's realize that there's, you know, there's some, there's another uh, way of looking at this. And it's really, a, it's a, it's a mental health, the conversation too. It's just across yeah. the board. How do we help, you know, ourselves out and normalize that. And so that we're not then projecting it online, whatever thing we're going through, we're just kind of putting us up, putting on someone else. Yeah. It's a whole can of worms, uh, but um, it's definitely, <laughs> they're all, they're all interlinked together for sure. Communication is wild and how people come together. And it, it, it is, it's an area that I find very interesting because it is so deeply robust and I think the state of affairs in the world are really reflective of um you know the the slice of what what we see and how people behave online like it's 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 all the same except um uh, comments that you leave online can be accessed by many people all the time and conversations that we have in person can't so 
Yeah, let's end on an equally uh, important <laughs> topic. Let's talk about some alien stuff, mainly some supernatural <laughs> stuff. Uh, so I'm a huge, we talk about sci-fi, I'm a huge uh, sci-fi mm-hmm. nerd, but also just, you know, the paranormal, the supernatural in general. I, as a kid, I grew up just loving that stuff. Yeah. And I guess I'm more of like a skeptic now, but still like super passionate <laughs> and just love, you know, watching uh, unexplained um, podcasts or like <laughs> unsolved mysteries and getting creeped out as a kid watching that. But uh, I mentioned <laughs> one of the questions I had sent you was, did you, have you experienced any kind of supernatural thing mm-hmm. in your life? And just where do you lie on that whole topic in general? <laughs> on the topic in general, uh, I am interested enough in things like the supernatural and ghosts where I'm like, I don't know, but I don't want to cross out things that I don't understand. It's a very, very strange world that we live in and you know scientifically speaking (laughs) of like how time even kind of works in the universe like I think it's just pretty hard to cross things out like flat I I feel like I believe enough that like as much as like things like Ouija boards and stuff intrigue me also I don't want to fuck with that shit because I don't want to invite that kind of energy into my life like I feel like that would be taking it a step too far um (laughs) I definitely, I'm pretty sure that the house that I lived in when I was a teenager was haunted. It had a pretty like weird history. Um, It used to be a maternity ward. So lots of, lots of mams having their babs there. And, you know, uh, I mean, birth is still difficult uh, today, but you know, it's been more difficult in earlier places. So you're like, I'm sure a lot of things happened. And then it got split into um, three flats at one stage and somebody actually came and murdered their girlfriend there um, and then left and shot themselves. Um, So it's sort of like, I I think it's some, some shit's gone down there, you know, like it's (laughs) just (laughs) super, of course, like super interesting. Like I, I, I think that's the, the neat thing about the world is like how, how many different kinds of things have happened at every place you could visit? Like, it's like mind boggling, but um, yeah, there are just like a few different kinds of like kind of creepy things that happened. Um, Like, I think like the most, like the first one that I always think of is like one time I was playing like um, hide and go seek with my sister. Um, So, you know, I was being the seeker and did the counting and, you know, so on we go. And um, there's like one room in the house that always kind of seemed like the one that was kind of like a bit stranger, you know, and just kind of like, just felt like a bit odd. Um, But in that room, there is, um, you know, like big, um, it it had like a 12 foot stud, so super high ceilings. And there was like very big cupboards that went right up to the, to the ceiling. And in this Mm. particular one, right up into the, um, I guess the crawl space uh, up up in the ceiling and um you know ready or not here I come and so I like went into that room and I saw like the door move and thought I heard like a whisper and sort of like like I'm moving like as soon as that happens yeah I don't know how you still you idiot you know and so like I grabbed both of the doors and like swung them open and was like gotcha and then you know there was nothing there and so I ran out like had a had a little bit of a squeal um there was just kind of like weird things like um you know computer addicts of course as teenagers um and so I always used to hear like 
loud tapping on the computer keyboard like late into the night and um you know this had been going on for a long time like maybe like a year or something like that and at this time like you know my dad didn't really know how to use a computer to be quite frank like it was just not something that happened (laughs) my mom didn't use the computer for pleasure didn't really understand them outside of a work context so it's like pretty safe to say you know like it's my fucking sister I'm like what are you you know but she was like the kind of person that was like she would like send herself to bed at 10 p.m and just like nobody had to make her go to bed she'd just go because that was just bedtime and so she ended up saying to me sort of like you know why do you always like sit up so late on the computer you know and I was just sort of like oh man like I thought it was you (laughs) um I've had like my dad tell us off for like turning on the stereo and stuff late at night and we're just like why would we do that I've had um one one night I was watching tv with my mom and um very very slowly like the the volume kept going up on the TV. Like first sort of like just a couple, then a couple more, then a couple more. And I'm sort of like looking, I'm like, there's one control by mom, one control by me. No one's sort of touching it. So like go goes up some more, goes up some more. And then it does like a big jump. And I just like looked at mom and I'm just like, are you are you touching the volume? Like, like what's like going on here? And she's like, "Mm, not me. So we ended up like turning it right down. And my mom just like said out loud, like can you please stop it? Like we're trying to watch this and it went up a couple more and then it never happened ever again. Um, and I guess like one more was, um, my dad uh, one day was like up in the crawl space of the house and like heard like a knock on the front door. And so he like called down and was like, you know, I'll be down in a minute. And when he got down, Uh, the front door was wide open, the back door was wide open and the back gate that has like a push across padlock was wide open. And, and it just, after that day, I don't think anything weird ever happened again. And it almost just like felt like whatever was happening there, like left. And I think like enough things happened that I was like, some, yeah, there is, there's something else happening here (laughs) yeah so so i say i believe (laughs) geez louise yeah i mean if anything your mom was like the driving force to send whatever (laughs) packing it's like oh shit we don't want to fuck with her let's get out of here yeah don't do that like my don't don't fuck with my mom (laughs) yeah oh people like when I was a kid, we're always like scared of my dad. Cause my dad had like tattoos and piercings and stuff. Like before that was sort of like as mainstream as it is today. And, um, I was always like to people like, no, it's definitely my mom. You should be afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The dads all talk and really mom, you know, <laughs> behind the scenes. Damn. Yeah. That that's those stories are crazy. Uh, this all happened in the same place. All in the same place. Yeah. We, um, I guess we moved there when I was like, um, maybe like 11 or 12. I I think, I think must've been about 11 and, uh, lived in that house until I moved out of home. So, um, yeah, Yeah. it was real bizarre. (laughs) And was your family just more like, um, just kind of nonchalant matter of the fact kind of thing when those would, those events would happen Were they just kind of over it and just, just bothered or were they freaked out too? Or they just kind of just passed it? Yeah, I feel like, I guess we're all kind of like in agreement, like that, like things were a bit weird, you know, (laughs) 
but yeah. kind of like uh, they actually ended up having their bedroom in the scary room so it definitely felt like less scary because it was like mum and dad's room you know and you're like well that's gotcha. your like pillar of safety like there was like like one interesting thing too where like um like a portrait of a woman that had her baby somebody like found in the bottom I think it was like in their garage or like their attic or whatever and actually like ended up like coming and like gifting that to us and like we always felt like I <laughs> that almost felt a bit like you know like that it wanted to come back to the house and Whoa. yeah just so we we like frame that and put that up in the lounge and stuff and yeah I I definitely like I you know the house made me nervous sometimes like because it was you know it was like an older villa and that sort of stuff so like you know it had sash windows which would rattle sometimes and you know tin roof so you know that could be loud for different reasons and like sure. you know I had like a mirror that was like um right outside I guess where my door was and like sometimes I would like avoid looking in the mirrors and like trying not to like freak myself out more so yeah it's like a weird because like I love horror and I love ghosts and um so there's that aspect but also yeah but like oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm creeped out just thinking about it it's nighttime here so I guess I have to somehow fall asleep after this but I'm yeah, so thanks, glad I, I could bring it to the table for <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> just gonna have all the lights on wow I guess I always wish that I experienced something something supernatural I never really did yeah. as a kid or like as an adult and it's just uh, I wish I got to I guess maybe I I wouldn't on the other end of it but at the same time it's like not having those experiences and hearing them it's like yeah. I kind of wish I got to see something experience something for myself but it's a yeah, long sadly. life man you never you never know what's gonna happen <laughs> so many interesting strange experiences waiting for us out there I think <laughs> it's also the reality of it happens a lot in, in horror movies where it's like mm -hmm. uh, something crazy happens and they leave. But I think the reality is if you're lucky enough to like get your life together and buy a house, it's like if it's yeah. on a burial ground or something, well, I'm stuck here. It's like I got to This is my this life mortgage. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the thing, right? It's like must get house. But then it's like ownership seems very scary and very trapping. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like uh, we've been renting for so long. It's like. And yeah, it's a whole can of worms as well, but it's just adulting is hard and kind of getting your life in the right track is, is a whole thing. And I'm getting my mind around that and trying to be like a proper adult. And it's also don't want to, it's like, man, I still feel like I'm in my twenties and just like not caring at all, but I guess I gotta, you know, gotta figure it out. You know what? I just, I feel like sometimes I think people need to loosen up on what our lives should look like, you know? And it's more like what makes a great lifestyle for you as the person you are now and what would please you and your partner and make you feel happy and like your life was fulfilling like I feel like those are like the much more important things to think about than like all these fucking check boxes of like the mentality that you need to have and how much fun you're allowed to have and how expressive you can be and you know it's yeah it's 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 carving out something that makes you feel good you know and like if you're doing that, I think you're doing a good fucking job. And if that's not being an adult, I don't, I'm not fucking interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same. Oh, you made me feel a whole lot better. I got my- Fuck yeah. Look, we're my it back up. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. No longer terrified to sleep. Oh, yeah. Well, Victoria, I mean, we've rounded out an hour here. I think that's, it's safe to let you go. This has been Sorry. awesome, amazing. <laughs> You've wasted an hour of my time here. No, oh, my God. <laughs> 
No, it's been uh, awesome, glorious to talk to you. And it's been it's just fantastic. And yeah, I could listen to you just ramble on for days. And that's why I love listening to that podcast, get to hear you and Lauren just uh, take it seriously and fun and just kind of, you know, open up your minds there. It's a great, great podcast. But uh, I guess uh, where I can segue to the ending here, where can people keep up with you online and just keep experiencing Victoria? Yeah, gosh, if you if you think it's interesting the way I talk about people, uh, you can uh, come and follow my friggin' podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter, on Done Wonderfully. I know that's confusing, but it's the best we could do because it was all the characters that we were allowed. <laughs> Wonderfully Done is on everything. We got a lot of Spotify listeners. We're on the Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts. Box, you know, the RSS feed, everyone's taken it. So you can listen to it anywhere. And, you know, as mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm on the Twitter personally as well at OFOX. Um, and you can basically, all, all I really do there is uh, post selfies. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if there's any value in there for that or talk about <laughs> wonderfully done, seeing as it's my new baby that I'm fucking obsessed with. Nice. And, and rightfully so, for sure. Well, <laughs> We'll end it there, Victoria. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been beautiful. Awesome. We'll end it there, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.